0: Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the chance to uh, be able to uh, preach your word today, Father. I know that you have revealed things in your word, you've revealed things to me in prayer uh, that I think are valuable for me and for my own faith, and hopefully will be valuable for the folks that are here this morning. Uh, Lord, we recognize that uh, all over this church there are people serving, whether it's children's ministry or something else, Lord. Uh, I think about the elders this morning who uh, make themselves available, not just during the services to pray for people, but all throughout the week that they've allowed their uh, home phone numbers and cell phone numbers to be advertised. So if anybody has a need, they can be prayed for. Lord, I would ask that uh, people wouldn't be afraid to contact them and that the elders would be encouraged in the work that they do, that they'd be able to give good counsel and godly wisdom. Lord, I thank you also for uh, the ministries that we get to support uh, other churches that we're able to support. I think about Calvary uh, Harriman Chapel out there on on the Harriman Retreat Center, Lord, and Father, just pray for that congregation and thankful for Pastor Jim and his decade of of teaching out there, Father, uh, for the people who've gone out there and made that drive faithfully to help him and uh, those families out there who've uh, built relationships because of that church, not just with each other, but with you, Lord. Father, of course, we also want to pray for other churches in town. I think of Yellowstone Baptist Church and Pastor Ken Grant, and uh, he's fairly new in that ministry, Lord. I would pray that you would be using these first few years to truly build him up, that the people there would... Uh, be an encouragement to him, that they would get to know him and he would get to know them. Uh, Lord, that through that ministry and that relationship that they have one another, uh, that the gospel will be proudly proclaimed there, that the gospel will go out clearly from Yellowstone Baptist Church. Lord, would you just open your word to us today that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, here we are. We're in the gospel of Mark. If you don't have a Bible, Raise your hand and someone will bring one to you so you can follow along with us. Uh, Mark chapter 4, though, is where we are. Last week, as we've been going through this uh, sermon series through the Gospel of Mark, seeing Jesus in action, uh, last week we saw the parable of the sowers and the seed. And uh, that was, uh, for me anyway, just a good reminder of that passage that everybody knows quite a bit about Uh, Everybody seems to, anyway, have have got a a general idea of how that works. Uh, What we're going to see this morning, though, is Jesus wasn't done talking when we stopped reading. That he has more things that he's wanting to say to his disciples and to you about how the word spreads and how his kingdom grows. Uh, What we're going to see is uh, last week we had a responsibility to be good hearers of the word. We had a responsibility to prepare our own soil to receive the word so that it can grow in us. Now we're going to see uh, in the, in the uh, parables that we have in front of us today that we also have a responsibility not just to receive the word, but also to send it back out, that we should be involved in what we've received by God or what, sowed, what seeds have been sown in us that we would now sow in other people, that we would be actively moving from hearer or soil in that first parable to being the new sower of the word, that we would be the one who's going out and sowing the word of God. And so uh, I want to remind us uh, as we do these things that it makes sense for us who have received the word to become diligent to give the word to other people or or to share the word that you heard. That's the way that we kind of want to think through this. Uh, For me, a simple example of this is, um, and she's not here so I can use it and then she'll be here second service so I'll use a different one. Um, But uh, Debbie Reynolds, I don't know if you guys know Debbie, she sits up here, uh, but Debbie Reynolds has been uh, faithfully going to the ladies jail here and she takes with her sermon CDs and they listen to them and then they have a discussion based on the sermon CDs. The word that was poured into her, she's pouring into other people and then some of those gals have then served their time. And then they come out and they get to come attend church with us. And so she's just had this great ministry, and it's not overly complicated. It didn't require her to be a theologian, it didn't require her to have all the answers. It just required her to be faithful to say, I received the word, and now I'm going to share it with other people. Sharing the word that she heard. That's the idea, that's the picture that we want to see. Uh, as we look at this, I also want to remind you that the context of a passage matters. Uh, when we look at a, at a particular passage of Scripture, Uh, We sometimes get very focused in on that one section of scripture and we forget the things that happened before and we don't recognize the things that are about to happen. In this particular passage, the context is going to be very important. The understanding of the parable before will help us understand the parables that we're going to be looking through today. And we're going to be looking at four parables today. So I should probably get moving, right? Uh, but here's the context that matters here in verse 13 and then verse 35. And we'll kind of bracket the things we're going to be looking at in verses 21 through 34 today. Uh, but I want to remind us that Jesus told a parable. The disciples did not get it. And so they took Jesus aside and said, help us understand. And then Jesus says this in verse 13 of Mark 4. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables. So there's something in the way Jesus helps them understand this parable that will be valuable for them as they approach all other parables. It's almost as if he's giving them some sort of a key to the understanding. And I think we'll see that played out here. Uh, but remember, he was very focused on this idea that those who would receive the word, that the word would grow up on them, that the word would begin to grow in their faith and in their life. And then the second part of the context we want to look at is after the passage we're looking at today. In verse 35, it says, on that day. So what this is telling us is all of these parables that he's telling in this particular case, apparently are all happening in one day that Jesus taught them in order. So what that helps us do is not take each parable individually as if it's its own thing, but it reminds us that they're all interrelated somehow. It's not always like this in the Gospels. There are sections in Matthew and Luke in particular where it's just kind of a retelling of a bunch of the parables, but there's no, uh, no guarantee that those are linked by time or location or any of those things. It's just uh, a situation where the, the Gospel right is just retelling. But in this set of parables, we're told by the context that all of these things are somehow linked. There's some value in understanding the first parable so that you can start to understand further the parables that follow after it. So let's get at reading these parables here. We'll look at the first one. Uh, Luckily, each of these parables is short compared to the parable of the sowers, so that will help. Uh, It says in verse 21, And he was saying to them, A lamp is not brought to be put under a basket, is it? Or under a bed? Is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything Been secret, but that it would come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So he tells this first parable, but he's telling it after explaining to the disciples what the previous parable meant. He then immediately moves into this thing where he says, Look, nothing is hidden. There's nothing hidden. Everything is to be revealed. What he's saying to his disciples is, I'm not telling these things to you in secret so you can keep them in secret. I'm telling these things so that you can share these things with other people. Everything that you're hearing now in secret, reveal later. He'll say that again in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 10, verse 27. That's to the left in your Bible if you're looking for it. But Matthew 10, 27, Jesus says this. What I tell you in darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the house steps Jesus is transitioning now for the disciples from this idea of I want you to understand I want the word of God to be understood by you I want it to grow in your life and he's taking it beyond that and saying but it's not just enough that you hear and understand the word and it grows in your life everything I'm revealing to you everything you've heard you should be proclaiming to others the idea of this parable is everything that was revealed to them should be shared with other people. That's the idea that Jesus is trying to get to. And it's a repeated thing all throughout Scripture, by the way. In 2 Timothy, you see the same idea. 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says this, "...the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will also be able to teach others also." It's passing on the responsibility that when you hear the word of God, certainly it needs to grow up in you, but you then have a responsibility to pass it on to other people. Uh, This is an important concept, I think, for us to grasp. We have at any given time in our church or any church in town, people who have been coming to church every Sunday, some even every Wednesday, week after week after week after week after week, For decades receiving the word of God and the word of God has by nature changed who they are, but not all of them have grasped the idea that they have a responsibility to take what they've learned and to share it with other people. Too many Christians are comfortable with receiving the word of God and uncomfortable giving it to anybody else. What Jesus is helping the disciples see here is I'm not giving you the lamp of the word of God so you can just keep it to yourself. I'm giving you the word of God so you can give it to other people. And I think that's a responsibility for all believers. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a a pastor in order, order to do that. There are so many different ways that you can do this. And I've seen it work out in my own life. I've seen it work out in Calvary chapels in general. For those that don't know how the original Calvary chapel got started with Pastor Chuck teaching verse by verse through the Bible. And then all of these hippies who came to Christ in his ministry, they would devour those tapes. Every single thing was recorded. They would listen to them over and over and over and over again, and then they would start their own church. Well, what do you think they did? They just taught the things that were taught to them. It wasn't that they necessarily went through uh, the most amazing training programs. It's just they received the word and they gave the word. And I know I've used this icky illustration before, but for a lot of Christians, we take in a lot and nothing goes out, and that makes you a constipated Christian. And everybody says, well, eventually I'll do something. Eventually I'll do something. And so now you're a constipated Christian waiting for a movement of the Lord. (laughs) Huh? See what I did there? Yes, it's still gross and still makes me laugh, so I don't mind. (laughs) But I think that's a reality. So many Christians have received, 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 received over the years, but there's nothing going out. There's no investing in other people, the things of the word. Uh, The same was true for me, by the way, that when I got uh, to Calvary Chapel, Cheyenne, I would take Pastor Ron's sermons every week. I would get the cassette tape back in the day. We don't do cassette tapes anymore, sorry. We're even not sure how much longer we're going to do CDs because you can just download this stuff from the Internet and everybody has a computer, it seems, or a phone or an iPad or some way of doing that. So, but I would take the cassette tape every week and then I would get in my car, I would stick it in my cassette player and it would just play every time I drove to or from work everywhere I went and it was great because my cassette player was so fancy that when one side was over, I didn't even have to turn it over, it just automatically did it itself. It was great. And so sometimes I would hear that sermon multiple times throughout the week, and then Wednesday would come, and I would get the Wednesday tape, and I would put that in. What I was doing was flooding myself with the Word of God. And then that made me capable of then giving the Word of God because I'd filled myself so full of the Word that the Word is what came out of my mouth. And I found that being true over and over and over and over again in my life as opportunities would present themselves. We aren't receiving the Word of God in our life To hide it under a bushel? No. Right? You've heard that? That's not why we're doing it. We're receiving the word of God, not just so that we grow in our faith, but that we can grow the kingdom of God, so that we can do the work of evangelism and discipleship. Maybe not in a specific ministry where we have a title or a name associated with it, but just in the life of the people around us. And you'll find this happen, I'm sure all of you have had this happen, where you're going through days and you're, you're meeting with people and all of a sudden somebody has a problem and in your mind you're like, wait a second, I've heard this addressed before. I've seen this in the Word of God and so you kind of get your smart face on. I know the answer to this one. And you share with them the things that you've learned and it ministers to them. It ministers to the people around you. It wasn't an official ministry, it's just that the Word that you received You were able to share with other people. There was an in and there was an out. Uh, It's an actual thing, by the way. Churches struggle with this all the time, uh, that there are people in the church who desire to be in ministry. I desire to be in ministry. I desire to be in ministry. And sometimes pastors look at that as a bad thing, like it's so exhausting, everybody wants my job. But it's not a bad thing. What that means is you're doing a good job, that you're filling people with the word, and now they can't wait to share it with somebody else. They're just looking for permission to do it. Well, you have my permission. The things that God has taught you, share with other people. You have my permission to do that. Invest in doing those things. He takes it a step further than that, though. He's going to make a quantification measure on top of that in verse 24. Uh, He was saying to them, take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you, and more will be given you besides. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. given. And whoever does not have, even what he has, shall be taken away from him. Now, this might seem confusing, but if you fit it within the context, he says in verse 23, if anyone has an ear to hear, let him hear. And then in verse 24, he says, take care what you listen to. So it's all in the same context of these parables that they're receiving The things that you're hearing, he says, take care what you listen to, care for what you listen to. He then says this by the standard of measure that you've used, it will be used for you. And this is the way I would illustrate that. If you take in just a little bit of the word of God, you're going to get just a little bit of benefit and you'll be able to do just a little bit of work. If you take in a lot of the word of God, you'll get a lot of benefit and you'll be able to do a lot of work. By the standard with which you measured the word into your life, you're able to give it out. And so think of it in these terms. Uh, this is my great illustration for the day. Look at this. Huh? This is a measuring cup. This is the one that you get with your lemonade. <laughs> and if you take the word of God and, and you measure it out into your life and pour it into you, you get this much back. But nobody wants to do just the measuring cup, right? Right? there you want to really measure out the word of God why would you go with the little cup when you could supersize it by the standard of measure you've received it's what you will receive back from God by the standard of measure you've used how much you've poured into yourself that's how much goes out let me put it in even better terms imagine somebody said to you free coca-cola now what do you know about me Am I going to show up for the free Coca-Cola with this? Or am I going to show up for the free Coca-Cola with this? This? This. Now, you guys don't know me at all. This is what I'm showing up with. Let me tell you right now. (laughs) Free (laughs) Coca-Cola is coming in with this, right? There's nothing in there, but this is the thing, though. This is what I want you to grasp in all of this. It's the same way with the Word of God. Some of us are receiving just a little bit of the Word, and we wonder why we're not getting much out of it. If you fill yourself with the Word of God, the standard by which you've been measured, you will receive what you've measured. This was the idea for the disciples. It wasn't just that they were supposed to not hide it, but he's saying to them, the more that you receive, the more that you have to give. The more that you receive, the more that will benefit you. The more you've pursued the Word, the more it grows in you and you can invest in other people. It's not a complicated concept, But if you just take that little uh, that little parable all by itself, it can run you in all different kinds of directions. But all of this fits within the context of this parable. So we need to be actively receiving the word. And I think we also need to be careful how we receive the word. Uh, You know, you want to make sure you're you're receiving the word from the word. And what I mean by that is um, uh, the biggest portion of your diet should actually be the word, not sermons. Sermons are good, they're helpful, but you want to make sure that those sermons are based in the Word and you need to be in the Word for yourself. I've noticed uh, lately, uh, I've been using this podcast, and it's, it's not complicated. It's just a guy reading the Bible. That's all it is. But here's what I've noticed. I can listen to an entire podcast and never really engage my mind in it. I can have this 15 minutes go by and I could be making a grocery list. I could have this 15 minutes go by, and I could be making a list of to-dos for the day. Or this, I'm terrible at this. If I'm about to have a conversation with somebody that's important, I'll have that conversation 15, 20, 30 times in my brain before I actually have the conversation. And so I hit play on my podcast, and I'm driving to work, preparing for this difficult conversation, the words playing, but I'm not receiving any of it, or I'm receiving very little because I'm actually not measuring, I'm not taking care to hear the word instead what is happening is i'm getting very little out of it because i'm really only hearing a little bit of it we have to have ways that we focus in on receiving the word of god and i can promise you by experience and by the promise of the word that this changes who you are and some people don't like it when i i use these types of terms because i realize there's negative connotations um, but I, i look at it in this way we're reprogramming our brain and our heart to think and act like God thinks and acts. That when we receive the word, we're reprogramming ourselves. Uh, That makes sense in a computer language, but when you think of cults and things, it sounds scary, right? Like, ooh, brainwashing. Hey, my brain needs washed, just so you know. My brain absolutely needs washed. And the word of God actively received in my life does that for me. I bear this responsibility not just to give it, but to also be careful how much of it I'm receiving so I have more to give. But it's available for me to give out to people. And then he moves on to the next parable, and we're still still finding ourselves in the same context of the word of God. It becomes more clear in this one, I think, in verse 26. And he was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And we have to think to ourselves, Haven't we heard that before? Haven't we heard this idea before that the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil? Well, of course we did. At the beginning of chapter 4, the parable of the sower and the seed. Same idea. The sower went out to sow and he was sowing and some seed fell beside the road and some seed in the ditch and all of these different things. But the same picture, he's making a connection through these parables. So in this case, I would presume that the seed that is being sown on the soil is still the word of God. So what is the kingdom of God like? It is like a man who casts seed upon the soil, and he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself. First, the blade then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So again, the same context, how do we compare or what is the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of God is is this investment of the word of God and we put it out there. And there is a responsibility on the hearer, as we've seen, to become the sower. And the sower goes out and sows the seed, But what is he saying here? The sower, although he's responsible for sowing the seed, he's not responsible for the result of the seed. He goes to sleep at night, and he wakes up in the morning, and boop, there's a little blade of grass. How did that happen? I don't know. All I know is I put the word out there, and it begins to take root in some people's lives, going back to the soil, whatever their soil is like. The responsibility of the sower is to send out the seed, but the growth is not their responsibility. That responsibility kind of comes in two places. Obviously, it is a responsibility on the part of the hearer to be good soil, to receive the word of God. But there's also an understanding here that God is the one who brings the growth. And we can see that in various places uh, throughout the scripture. I'll bring you to 1 Corinthians, though. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 uh, is, is uh, one of my favorite ones that kind of deals with this idea. It's the Apostle Paul talking, and there were people that were arguing, uh, I am of Paul or I am of Apollos. They were arguing about who their real pastor was. Paul says this. It's this wonderful way to deal with that. In 1 uh, Corinthians uh, 6, uh, which is wrong, so now I'm going to have to check my reference in my mind. Let's try and figure out what I've done right <laughs> First Corinthians 3, 6. <clears throat> I missed one little number. That's not that important, is it? 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. And this is the miraculous nature of the word of God, that when we are faithful to present the word of God, It is always never, it it says in scripture that it will never return void. That the word of God will always do some work. It will always do something. That's the story of how our church, and I believe every church, grows. That as we cast out the word of God, it goes out and plants in the lives of people. Some good soil, some bad soil. But it begins to bear fruit in the life of that person who then grows to become a sower of the seed themselves. They cast out the word and it continues to spread and grow in that same concept. God is taking us through the whole process of how he intends to grow his kingdom. And he intends to grow his kingdom through the word of God going out. That's how he intends to grow his kingdom. And he's showing the disciples who've asked this question about this parable. He's showing them their role in it is to receive it. And then to give it or to take the word they've heard and to share it. They're going to share the word that they've heard. That's the idea all throughout these parables as they all link together again. And then we have this fourth and final parable here in verse 30. And he said, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or by what parable shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed. And so again, we have the same idea. We're still following or tracking with the idea of the seed. It is like a mustard seed, which, when sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. And so he's now describing... Again, the seed going out, in this case he's specific, it's a mustard seed, uh, a tiny little seed that goes out and it's planted, but that seed grows to create something large enough for birds of the air to nest in it. Now this is the most controversial of all of these parables because this is the one that everybody struggles to figure out what it means and where it fits in this particular passage. And there's two reasons for that. The first reason is uh, mustard seed in the traditional form that we think of mustard does not grow into ginormous trees. That's not what really happens there, that it would be more considered like a plant. But oddly enough, in the Middle East, you will find mustard plants that will grow to be 10 foot tall. And so his picture here is of this something tiny growing to be huge, and then the birds of the air being able to, to land in it. So for us, sometimes it's a little confusing because we try to take the illustration and compare it to what we already know and understand instead of looking at it just in the context of the Scripture there. In the context of the Scripture, it's growing. Now, the controversy comes in when some people say, yeah, if a mustard plant grows big enough that birds can nest in it, that's deformed. So what this is teaching us is that the Word of God has grown up to be so big that it's deformed. And that's actually the most common teaching of this passage. And let me tell you another way that they get here, by the way, uh, it's not uh, It's not for lack of trying to be contextual. The way they would get to that next step is it says, the birds of the air nest under its shade. And they say, I want to stick in the context. So they look back at the parable of the sowers. And in verse 4, he was sowing and some fe- seed fell beside the road and the birds came and ate it up, which he describes for us in verse 15 what that means. It says that the They hear, but immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. So they take the bird who was defined by Jesus as Satan there, and they put it in this passage where they see a bird again, and they say, so obviously what he's saying is the kingdom has grown so big that Satan is in the midst of the kingdom there destroying people. That's the most typical understanding of this passage. I'm going to give you a different, an alternate view. Alternate view, alternate view. I'm going to give you my alternate view. I'm saying that this is the exact opposite, that this is actually a good thing, but it's drawing not from just the immediate context. It's drawing from the prophetic context. That this phrase, and depending on what version of the Bible you have, it might be like this for you. But in verse 32, when it says the birds of the air can nest under its shade, in my Bible is in all caps, which tells me it's an Old Testament quote which would be Jesus' way of, of when he brings out an Old Testament quote of connecting his teaching to something that's happening in the Old Testament. Well, it's this quote of Ezekiel chapter 17. And what we find in Ezekiel 17 is this prophetic picture of the nation of Israel after they go through all the struggles where basically it's going to be said that the nation of Israel actually grow to such a place, it'll be so big that the birds of The air will be able to nest in its tree and it describes those birds then as the nations coming to find rest in Israel, which is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who has brought the Gentiles now in where the nations find peace in Jesus, the fulfillment of that. So I actually think this is a good translation. I think this is a good way of understanding this. What he's saying is you just put the seed out and the seed grows and it's amazing because the word of God is going to grow to such a point that people can rest under its branches. I'm not going to tell you which one of those to agree with. Uh, Just know I'm not the smartest man on planet Earth. And so if somebody smarter is out there and they have a different translation, it's okay. A different understanding, it's okay. I'm not going to be upset by that. But for me, as I try to follow through with This same concept here that Jesus is bringing throughout all of these parables, it seems to me that he's not putting this in a negative light. He's putting it in a positive light, that the smallness of just the word of God growing out is going to grow the kingdom to such a size where we can find rest in it. That's ultimately what Jesus is trying to describe here as we go through all this. When it is sown... It grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches, which again for me goes back to that picture of the word of God being the seed that grows the kingdom of God. It's for me the reason, the primary reason that our church has grown over the years. Uh, I maybe have said this before, but we are not the most organized people on planet Earth. We are not really that great. And when I say we, I'm really talking about me, but it makes me feel bad. So I'm going to say we. I am not this this visionary who can, like, say, this is the vision for the future. And here's step-by-step detailed instructions on how we get there. And then we're going to faithfully follow that. And it's going to lead to this amazing thing. That's not who I am. It's never been who I am. I'm not really a goals guy. I'm more of a system guy. I'm like, this is what I know. The Word of God always bears fruit. I'm just going to keep putting that out there and let it bear whatever fruit it bears. Whatever happens, happens. And I think for Calvary Chapel, it came to the city of Cheyenne at just the right time. That there was a a desire for verse-by-verse teaching, which was actually pretty rare in Cheyenne at that time. And so we started with Pastor Ron coming in, preaching verse-by-verse, and this church started to grow. And it was because what he was doing was atypical for churches. Most churches were doing more of a topical methodology. Iran was doing the verse-by-verse thing. And because the word was going out, there was growth. Here's an interesting thing that's happened now. In the last couple of years, I've visited a couple, uh, probably a half-dozen churches, at least a half-dozen churches in the city of Cheyenne. Almost every one of them is now teaching in some form, verse-by-verse through the Bible. That, to me, is amazing. It's powerful because it's multiplying the word of God going out. It's not that every church in Cheyenne is doing that, but there's more and more of that happening. And for me, it's powerful. It was hard to find. It was atypical, and not just in Cheyenne, pretty much all over America. There had just been this transition from expositional preaching, which some people considered boring, and so they tried to make it more exciting by being more focused, more topical, uh, more exciting, all kinds of great illustrations, Pastors actually got better at their craft. Their presentation skills became a greater focus. And there was this situation where it became so individualistic in the way that it was done that there was actually more presentation, less word. But for us, there's more word. And I believe because there's more word, there's more fruit. And I believe it's multiplying again. It's now switching back Across America, where now expositional preaching has again taken on the cool factor. And the cool churches are starting to teach expositionally. It's a neat little cyclical thing that happens in the church. I think both are valuable, by the way. I think both types of teaching are valuable. I'm just saying for this church at the time that it came here, it was just the thing that the city of Cheyenne needed. God was able to use the word to bear fruit, and he's going to continue to do that. We're going to be faithful to work that system. Teach the word, and it will grow the kingdom of God. But you guys already hopefully know this about us. We're not trying to grow Calvary Chapel. We're just trying to grow God's kingdom. And so we don't care if we have to start other churches in other places around town. We don't care if we're investing in other pastors. This is one of my favorite things that I get to do right now. Uh, I learned recently that I'm now the old guy in Cheyenne. I don't know how that happened. But apparently, if you've been at the same church for 18 years, they start to look at you because all those people are new to Cheyenne since I've been here. I still think of myself as the young guy because I'm young. See how that works? (laughs) But they don't think of me that way. A lot of these pastors have been here since I've been here. Like they're more recent. And so now I, almost on a weekly basis, have this opportunity to invest in pastors from other churches. You know what I tell them to do? Preach the word. Just preach the word. Preach the word over and over and over. That's what I insist upon. That's what I ask of them. Because I know that the word has more power than their way or their process of doing church. There's value in both, but the real power comes from the word of God. The kingdom grows as the word goes out, and it's going to grow to such a large and amazing thing and has obviously done so that it has now spread throughout the entire earth. The gospel message, the seed that was planted by Jesus Christ in the 12 has multiplied generationally now to spread throughout the whole earth. And there are people from every nation, tongue, and tribe who are resting in the branches of the kingdom of God because of the word of God going out. And then Jesus Uh, completes in Mark here in verse 33. With many such parables, he was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. And so it gets back to the same idea. Everything that Jesus was teaching, he was explaining in greater detail to his disciples. There was an expectation that the things he explained to them that they would later explain to other people. He was filling them with the word So that they could take the word and fill other people. He was planting the word so that they could take the word and plant the word. It was kind of this continual picture. He was sharing the word so they could share what they heard. That's the idea. Now, how do we practically do that? Not every one of us is going to be in a pulpit, right? Not everyone has the exact same circumstances or opportunity that I've been blessed with. For me, sharing the word that I heard... That's easy. That's what I do. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, it's built into my life. It's kind of a nice thing. I'm pretty lucky, really. I've got to be honest with you. Blessed would probably be a better word. But I honestly believe a a big reason that I'm here is because I was receiving the word so actively. And God said, well, this guy's been receiving the word so actively. I'm going to gift him to now teach the word. And he gave me the gift and the opportunity to be able to do those things. It was never planned or purposed in my heart. But here's the neat thing that you can do. You don't have to look at this as some big scary and complicated thing. There's like the easiest ways in the world to do this now. The Internet, by the way, has done an amazing thing for the Word of God. I want you to think about this for a second, what you can do with the Internet. The Internet has on it the very Word of God. And you can share that with other people in a bazillion different ways. Whether it's just typing on Facebook a verse that you really love. Man, I I heard this verse today or I saw this verse and you just put the word on your Facebook page and people will either read it or they won't. The good soil is going to read that and it's going to grow up in them. Those that are bad soil are going to ignore it because that's what bad soil does. Satan has already prevented them from receiving the word. They have a difficult circumstance. But you now took the word that you received and you literally clicked share and shared it with other people. Tom, Pastor Tom does this on Sundays Uh, he, He sneakily takes pictures of my slides. And every once in a while, there's a good one. And he's like, hey, that's a good slide. And he takes that picture and he posts it on the church Facebook page. And then other people share it. It just, it took the word that people heard and then multiplied it, sent it out to somebody else. That is so very simple. It's so simple. It's something pretty much anybody can do. And it doesn't have to just be on Facebook. Not everybody's into technology. Uh, I recently uh, heard there was this uh, tornado that went through Cheyenne or outside of Cheyenne not too long ago. And there was a house that was destroyed. And in their house, they had all these Christian plaques and verses all over the place. And the tornado hit their house and spread all of those all over the neighborhood. And so the neighbors were picking up literally these verses that had been on somebody's wall and carrying them back. And I, I think this belongs to you. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Thank you. It was like literally the word was spread. Now, I'm not saying, you know, fill your house up with plaques so in hopes that someday you get hit by a tornado. (laughs) But as she put those up in her house, everybody who came to their house saw the word of God. It was shared. If you're at your office, simple things, whether it's just a little plaque on your desk, just sharing a verse, or maybe a little more complicated, a little more daring, set your Bible right there on the corner of your desk. And just wait for somebody to ask what's that what you're reading oh by the way this morning i was reading my book and this is what i read this morning you don't have to be a rock star to do that you just tell them what you read if you can't remember what you read just reread it to them Like it's not complicated stuff i'm not asking you to be amazing preachers i'm taking saying the simple things you've received you can give to others you of course can share the cds from the sermons i've known many people that have and i never really know how to hear this but they'll say Man, that sermon today was great. Somebody else needs to hear it. And what they're saying is, I know somebody that's got the problem you were talking about today, and I'm going to give them this CD to solve that problem for them. Now, in that, I hope that's all in love. I I hope they first received for themselves the message that was taught there. I hope that they first heard for themselves the things that God was trying to say to them. But just simple as passing out the CD or a link, Uh, Pastor Ed Taylor at Calvary Chapel in Aurora does this very simple but profound ministry. He's just every Sunday preaching sermons, and he preaches at conferences and things like that. Well, every couple of weeks, he'll have a sermon either that he taught or somebody else taught that he thought was good, and he just sends it out to the people on his little text message list there, people he wants to encourage. He'll just say, say something like this, this word really encouraged me this week, and then he'll just text it. And there's this little link to this sermon that he heard, whether he preached it or heard it himself. And then I'm just like, oh, there it is. I'm receiving from him what he heard he's passing on to somebody else. So simple. Now, it can get more more complicated if you want to. Uh, One of the things that I think is so powerful is just conversation. Uh, How about this? When everybody's talking about their weekend, just say, hey, what did you hear in church this Sunday? Now, a lot of the people that you might talk to don't go to church and they'll go, nothing, what did you hear? Because they'll think it's gossip. Ooh, what did you hear in church this weekend? Oh, well, what I heard is I have to share the word that I heard. And here's what I heard. The word of God builds the kingdom of God. And it's just that simple. If you invest a little bit of the Word in your life, you get a little bit of benefit. But if you invest a lot of the Word of God in your life, you're going to get a lot of benefit. You start a conversation. You can also do that with people who you know heard the same sermon as you. This is a great one that we've done with our kids at different times, particularly when they visit other churches. But just in general, we'll just say, so, what did you learn in Sunday school today? So, what did you learn in church today? And it starts just a simple conversation. There's just a simple sharing uh, that goes on with that. I'm going to pick on somebody who is in the room right now, uh, Bob Goodall over here. Uh, He's got a blog that he does. And every once in a while he goes, hey, (laughs) your sermon was in my blog this weekend. Something you said, he heard something in the sermon. He takes it, he posts an expanded view of it from his perspective in his blog. Very simple thing. You can do that just a Facebook post as well, but just taking something you heard, just expand it a little bit, make it more personal for you, and now you've got something that you can share with other people. Not complicated. It's not difficult. Uh, There's other things you can do. Uh, My wife and I, for a long time, did a home fellowship that was based on the sermon series. Wherever we were in the Bible, our home fellowship was based on that passage. It was so simple. Now, we did it backwards. What we did was... Before I had even prepared the sermon, so the week before I preached it, so, like, we would meet, I think, I don't remember what day of the week we met, but anyway, we would meet on a weeknight at our house, and we would look at the verses I was going to preach on the next Sunday. For me, it was was cheating. It was like, I want to hear what people are thinking about this passage so I now know how to preach it to them, right? But it was just this simple idea, we would just read the verse and then say, so what do you think about that? And then the people in our home fellowship would start talking about the different ideas that were in that passage. And they kind of would correct themselves. Every once in a while, somebody would say something just weird that wasn't really there. And somebody in the group would go, no, you're wrong. (laughs) Maybe not that bluntly, but they would offer that alternate view of it. It was just a very simple idea, just a simple, small group fellowship thing. You can do this in the coffee shop at work. You can do it in the lunchroom at school. It's just a conversation centered around the text. Another idea uh, that I I think is uh, pretty powerful is just the ability to counsel others with the word of God. Still, my favorite story is, and I don't do it as often as I used to, but for years, I used to repeat every Sunday, Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then Mickey, this gal from our church, came to me and says, Pastor Sean, You won't believe what happened. I told my mom, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm like, okay. She goes, no, no, you don't understand. She was dying, and she said to me, tell me the gospel. And all I could remember in that moment was, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I'm like, boom. How powerful is that? She just shared what she heard, right? She shared the word she heard. That's all it is. It doesn't have to be complicated. I'm going to pick on Gail now, by the way. Hi, Gail. Gail has this amazing women's Bible study going right now. She just took our statement of faith, and every week they take a piece of our church's statement of faith, and they study it out inductively. She took the word that she heard, and she's sharing it with other people. It doesn't have to be complicated. There's all kinds of ways that you can share the word of God you've received from God, and I'm not talking about just in my sermons, but even as you read the Word of God, or if you hear something on on the radio, on Grace FM, or something like that, there's just these very simple things you can do to plant the Word, to sow the seed, to see what growth God causes. And I think if you're faithful to do that, you will be surprised to see the growth that God brings, that incremental, slow growth not just of his kingdom, but of the people that you invest the word in. Or as it said in that one that one parable, first the blade, then the head, and then a mature grain. As you just send the word out, specifically to certain people or generically to the world, that the word will do its work. Amen? Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the chance to be able to share your word. And I thank you for uh, just that, that great reminder that, all throughout history, you've filled people with your word who then in the overflow shared that word with other people. I'm thankful that uh, there were people who shared your word in my life. I think of, uh, of people local like Pastor Ron. I think of people universal like Chuck Swindoll, how I just listened to his, his uh, radio program over and over when I was in college and the impact that it had in my life. Lord, I would pray for each of us here, though, that we would be listening to your Holy Spirit and that your Spirit, who's prepared good works for us in advance, would point the good works we're to walk in, would show us the circumstances where we can share your word, both in small ways and in great ways, and then we can entrust you to do with it what you want. Father, we thank you and we love you today. In Jesus' name. A.